Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Pots and Share Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but if not, we'll sprinkle in the guys from Perching on the Top Rope, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and tonight, my people, we are joined by some very special guests. Joining me first, he is the lead host of the SmackDraw podcast. He is host of the Rewind and UWO. He is Mr. Kyle Tyson. Kai Ty, how are you? I'm good. Hi, Alex. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Alex. I have something special for Alex. He's coming. Thank you for having me on, Will. This isn't about me. No. Thank you. It's my show. Hi, Alex. Alex, you're coming. I promise. Sure am. I'm going to mute Kyle every time he does that. Also, joining me tonight, former Dirt Sheet writer. He is host of Perched on the Top Rope. He is coming live from the Hasbro Brawler. He is Mr. Lee Walker. Lee, thanks for coming back, buddy. How are you? I am doing fantastic, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I'm a little disappointed after last night's episode not winning. It was a rough one. Like, it was not our best showing. I still say that Justin was, uh, he was a little bit privy to some of those questions. And while I'm on topic, joining me for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, he is one of the co-hosts and producers from Perched on the Top Rope. It's Alex. Alex. How'd you screw us over so bad in Jeopardy, brother? Listen, man, all I did was make up questions. I, don't know <laughs> I just tried my best. If it's not my fault that Kyle is just not good at Jeopardy. Oh, oh you were going to get it, Alex. <laughs> it was a no, rough show, man. Me and Kyle, have the, we had the running joke, and we told you before we ever went on the air last night that it was like, how terrible can we actually do on a trivia-based show? Because until last night, he and I had finished in last place or close to last in every one we've ever done, right, Kai? Pretty much. I've only done good on, like, one trivia show, I think, ever. And I want to say Justin was on it, too. But, yeah, no, it was bad. It was a bad showing. I blame Alex. (laughs) If you had just included Juggalo Pro Wrestling, like I originally asked you to, that seems like in a my very... defense, you asked me that once we got live and got on the air. That's not my fault. We were on the air for two hours. You could have got some questions in. I'm just saying. I guess. If I logged in for a wrestling Jeopardy and one of the topics was Juggalo wrestling, I would be more <laughs> upset about that than I was with the fact that I had to worry about TNA impact, you know, guys from the early 2000s. I was like, okay. Uh, yeah, it is. Allison says it is like a matter of being on the spot sometimes too. Like the the one I missed about Kenny Omega, like that that plagued me all night. Even after the show, I was like, "How did I miss that?" 
it, it was so obvious and yeah part of it you do blame on being on the yeah, spot that one was pretty pretty blatant i thought that was one of the easier ones shut up alex guys i answered the correct answer with brian danielson and then on the very next question tried to answer the same thing with the same person after answering the question correctly like, <laughs> alex literally said will that was the answer to the last question and i was like oh fuck you're right. And you gave it. You of all people gave that answer too. It was my answer and I still fucked it up. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is where we start. Every time I always ask the same question for everybody. What has you pissed off for greatness tonight in professional wrestling? Alex, all I'm saying is what has you the most worked up right now in what's going on with wrestling? You know, I got to be honest, this is something that has been brought to light in the past couple days. Um, for once, it's not a WWE issue with me, which Lee would probably find surprising because, you know, in the past, up until the recent takeover by Triple H, I was usually complaining about something WWE related on our show, uh, perched on the top rope, um, almost every week. But this week, I gotta say, the drama and the heat that's going on with this Hangman Adam Page CM Punk issue backstage at AEW, it, it's kind of making CM Punk look like an asshole. You see the the stuff we were just talking about in one of the group threads with the people burning shirts. They've said he needed a hill turn. Do you think this is the time and place and moment when that needs to happen? Uh, I'd say absolutely, because at this point, I think the more we find out about this situation, I think you're going to start seeing these fans, these hardcore AEW fans, that most of them know a lot of what's going on behind the scenes because they're on the internet all the time. They're going to start turning against him eventually anyways and you know i'm not there i'm not backstage i can't say what 100 percent happened and like who started what where the heat began but like punk going into business for himself on AEW was just kind of not cool in my idea um you know obviously we all know punk to be very open when it comes to saying anything live on television with a microphone but he was very specific when he joined AEW, saying that he was there to put over younger stars he was there to make things better and you know it's just it kind of kind of seemed to me like this is almost the exact opposite of what he was planning on doing so like i said he's, he's kind of coming off as an asshole to me right now i agree i don't think it's the the moment in time yeah we don't want to do the baby face versus baby face showdown it all out with him and moxley but i don't think the drastic turn he's making is uh necessarily the move for the time uh, Mr. Mr. Tyson, Mr. Walker, two cents on the CM Punk thing. I mean, uh, it, uh, go ahead, Kyle. No, I insist, my friend. So mine's kind of the same gripe, like it's what's got me pissed. So dating back to WWE, we've known CM Punk to be, and I quote, the voice of the voiceless. Bringing up how Davy Boy Smith Jr. was just recently released, saying the name of Chris Masters, who was improving on his in-ring ability, guys who were just recently released, was he ever really the voice of the voiceless? Was he ever really anything that he built himself up on TV? Or is he just being like his theme song, The Cult of Personality? Think about it. We've all heard the stories of CM Punk backstage of being somebody who would rather 
sit in a corner and not talk to anybody, that's just like Brock Lesnar. That's how Brock Lesnar is. It's how we've always, you know, known these things to work out. We've we've heard in interviews in DVD like shoot interviews. CM Punk often being very difficult in the back, not work related, just an antisocial kind of aspect. Very stubborn in his own right. So here we are in AEW, and let's let's be honest, he lost a lot of steam with his his failing run in UFC. So now he needs to capitalize on pro wrestling again. He gets to AEW. He's is he what everybody thought he was? Where I I don't think so. Especially when he fucked over Colt Cabana, which has been an issue about this whole thing. When he went into work with, uh, did the work himself, the shoot on Hangman on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. How you know you, you got to probably think that you know the situation with Colt Cabana plays an effect, considering Hangman uh, is part of the Dark Order. You know who's part of the Dark Order? Colt Cabana. But I mean, who have we not seen on TV? Who have we like? Who have we not seen with the Dark Order? Right, right. To piggyback off of that, uh, when uh, Stu Grayson and a couple of the other Allen Angels and them, they when they left AEW and they had that segment with the Dark Order on television, they made it a very strong point to say we five or six or whatever it was now one less because Anna Jay's in the JAS. They made it a very strong point to note that these are the members of the dark order basically almost saying that you know Cole cabana is not with us anymore yeah we haven't seen him on tv and if you know we see the favoritism like we've seen with tony khan with wrestlers the favoritism with cm punk we're probably not going to see Cole cabana within AEW, though we know i believe he is signed a contract with bonner so we're probably going to see him jump ship and be part of ring of honor again but regardless, uh, the drama with fucking CM Punk is just is disappointing to say to say the least. It's disappointing, right? Like Cole Cabana was there first. He like I get that Punk draws money and whatnot, but Colt is almost an AEW original. He came in a little bit after they started, but he's closer to an AEW original than a lot of the other guys on the card. And I mean, like I said, the man was there first. And obviously, like, there's no reason to take that out on Hangman Adam Page, who's, you know, sold his soul for that company. Can I tell you, you got anything to throw in? Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, it's a lot of speculation. You know what I mean? I don't feel like our words really can carry much weight. We're, we're speculating on things that we're seeing, we're, like stuff that we're hearing on internet like if you if you think about it like if you if you break it down this whole thing falls apart really quick like it's 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 dirt sheets people are upset and then we spin our own narrative to it you know what i mean we create our story behind it it's no different than like high school drama and and people just picking sides like it's we're not we're not there behind the scenes and this is not me standing up and saying like cm punk's like some like idol that needs to be defended. I'm not really defending him. I'm just saying this is this is just like one of those things that like 
I don't know. Like, it feels silly for me. It feels silly for me, like, because it, it, to me, it strikes me no different than if you were to say, like, one person has beef with another person because that person was a dick and, like, you know, is a new, like, friend to the group. And you just lay all out this drama and then you're like, what do you think about it? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm not in that that circle. It's not really my place to 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 really say anything and with Colt Cabana not being on television I mean I'm dude I hate to say it but no one's tuning into AEW Dynamite to watch a Colt Cabana match or a segment like let's let's be honest here like no one ever was like Colt Cabana is going to be on TV this is must see we have to go watch it whether or not CM Punk has any reason why he's not on television it, it I don't think if CM Punk was in the company, we'd be seeing much Colt Cabana to begin with anyways. There's a lot of guys that were there during the pandemic that are AEW originals that let's let's just be fair, were part of like the startup because they were big indie names, but I don't I just it it feels it feels like tribalism, like high school friends and cliques. Like just pick a side. Like pick a side and, and fight for your friends. And that's that's really just never been my thing. Like I'm, I'm a very much like I, I enjoy what's in the ring. And then like all the backstage not stuff, like I like to comment on what's been proven and what's in court, like, like the Vince McMahon, all of that stuff. I feel comfortable commenting on that because that has been tried and true. Like there's investigations, that stuff's been proven. Everything else just feels like hearsay. And I've always felt kind of icky um, commenting on hearsay. Um, I, but, as far as people turning on CM Punk, I think you guys are absolutely right. I think that he is polarizing, and no matter where he goes, crowds are going to react for him very strongly. People like you guys, like you guys right now, are like you're invested in, in like this drama. So if you were at a live show, you might be inclined to boo him loudly, and then there might be other people there that are inclined to cheer him. CM Punk is just not somebody that people are apathetic towards. Um, and so that I, I think I think this is this is proof of it. Like CM Punk's always going to draw. Uh, right. Yeah. So I don't know if I had a point in there. I don't know what it was, but that's that's my feel. I think my biggest issue was more than anything. It's not even the Colt Cabana stuff. I, I obviously had to comment on that because that's supposedly what led to this. I think my issue was more or less the call out of Hangman Adam Page on Dynamite, knowing that damn well that that wasn't part of the script. It just felt very downfall of wcw ish to me it reminded me a lot of the segments the shoot segments that we saw towards the demise of wcw where we were just like what the hell is being allowed to be on tv right now well what if what if hangman interrupts this title match that happens on wednesday and it's a triple threat you know what i mean and it turns out to be a triple threat at double or nothing you know it's I think it's early to say. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a dickhead move, though. Like, I ain't going right. to lie to you. Like, I'm not sitting here and saying, like, if, if everything does play out kind of like what how it's being spilled, it does sound like an asshole move to, to attack somebody who you know cannot get involved in a segment, and it kind of just does make them look like ass. Um, but, yeah, who knows, man? Who who knows? Time will tell. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, that it is what it is, that's for sure. Mr. Walker, what has you pissed off for greatness this evening? I mean, it was it was that. Oh, it was, a, it was the same punk show. Yeah. Fair enough. Kaitai, you got something for me? Uh, you know me. You're always chill as a cucumber, man. You're never mad about <laughs> anything. 
I look, I, I get upset. I, I do. I will, I want to comment. I kind of want to like use this as an opportunity to like, um, uh, okay. You know what? I'm upset that a lot of people lost their jobs today. I think it was today, right? It was either today or yesterday over NXT UK, like pretty much just got gutted. Um, so I'm not really mad about it. I would think I have an idea on the situation where it does seem like, you know, you're putting out a product that nobody is watching. Like, I think, I think literally the only people watching that NXT UK was Steven Larson at going in raw. Like I, that is like the only people I know. However, uh, the optimism, like the optimistic side of me is like, actually like now, like, you know, the UK indie scene might begin to flourish again. Cause mm-hmm. the, the, the UK indie scene was like picking up a ton of steam right before NXT UK. Um, so I'm hoping we run into something like that. I, I, I've heard what, what's that thing they're talking about doing NXT Europe or something NXT next year. Europe. There's no real details other than they have something in the pipeline for that though. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's just going to be like some like touring, like, uh, with a couple, like, like almost like NXT is tours in, in Europe and has a couple UK guys instead of trying to create a UK exclusive brand. I wonder if that's what that is. I think the one that pissed me off the most out of the releases is, is releasing Trent Seven made absolutely no sense. He's in the tournament, right? That well, hasn't yeah. concluded yet? Like... Yeah, and, and he was literally in the middle of a feud with Tyler Bate. They just broke out Mustache Mountain. Right. Trent Seven was actually picking up steam as a heel. Like, that was one of the reasons that you know some people were actually tuning into NXT UK recently because they did that turn out of almost nowhere. And like that was actually it was interesting. Like I was I was into it, and now he's gone. This feels very Vince McMahonish. Well, this wasn't the first time they've done that. They've had people on TV. They did it in the two hundred five live stuff with people. Um, I can't remember what he was when he was in WWE, but he's Blake Christian now on the Indies. Uh, mm. He came in, and then he did some two hundred five live stuff, and then was released. And then that night on WWE TV had a pre recorded match that went on air. So it was like, this isn't the first time we've seen WWE do this. There was also the issue with Tyler Bate showing up at Heatwave because apparently the UK title match hadn't even aired yet. So people were like surprised to see him with a belt because he wasn't the standing champion over Elian Dragunov yet, right? Yeah, they yeah. had literally just showed on WWE's Twitter account last week Ilya Dragunov uh relinquishing the title yeah it was just it was just on twitter like a week ago so they hadn't even concluded the tournament yet and like speaking of people that got released when they're just in a segment too let's talk about like alistair black was another similar situation he had literally just started a feud with Big E on smackdown and he got released the next week. he was doing the dark father stuff yeah like and he was that- arguably putting out the best vignettes and stuff like yeah and then was released a week later after he returned just done and you think um think about what they did when they brought back selena vega and everything because that was her husband and that was the wife and he was a key impact on bringing his wife back plus all the political stuff behind the scenes with her dad and then you incorporate it and then when they when they get her back then they turn around and release him like Mm -hmm. some of that release all of that stuff happened last year and in the end of 2020 didn't make sense with the way it was handled and kai's right like seeing it bring up in nxt uk only rings the question what are they going to do over there? Let me ask the three of you a question, though, especially you, mm-hmm. Lee, as somebody who comes from the same, uh, 
the same boat I'm in with uh, your taste in wrestling coming through the territories and the NWA stuff. What do you think about NXT Europe being a governing body for the European independence scene? Where they do tour and do house shows. And WWE NXT UK is where they're bringing in independent stars to work with the NXT Europe superstars. So it's a way to kind of govern the independent scene in the UK and Europe. I mean, I thought that's what NXT UK was supposed to be. I thought it was going to be, you know, basically the end all to the independent scene over there. Uh, unfortunately, that really wasn't the case. And, and WWE had other plans, too. Uh, it was talked, you know, before COVID, it was talked about NXT uh, Japan or Asia, NXT Mexico, and, you know, all these different NXTs in different locations, you know, and that was going to be their way to... I don't want to say kill the indie scene in other countries, but it was going to be their way to start opening up to start competing in other countries. You know, New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, that's in Japan, AAA in Mexico, or, you know, uh, CMLL, if that's still around. I don't know. They are. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I got you, Lee. <laughs> you know, so like, uh, you know, over in Europe, like, uh, I don't really know any of the big promotions that are o over that way, but. You know, there's a there's a lot there for them to work with. So originally, I, I thought the original intent for NXT UK was going to be a way for them to to do that. So if, if that's the case, then NXT Europe is just as of right now, for what we know, is just basically what NXT UK was. But it just, you know, a name change, whatever, who, who the hell knows what they're doing. But I thought that's what the original intent was. I thought it was going to be a way for them to, you know, have guys over there like uh, Dave Taylor, William Regal, you know, scouting, you know, going to those promotions. Since those guys are, are from over there, scouting local talent, get them signed to NXT UK, get them through the NXT UK system to get them ready for, you know, TV, get them for, you know, for NXT, you know, and then have them for, you know, the main roster. I thought... I really, I just saw it as the European stepping stone to get to American television. That's really what I thought it was because I'm not honestly like to me, there's too much damn wrestling on television. There's wrestling. I'm not going to watch. I did not 100%. watch. NXT. I did not watch NXT UK I, out of all the names that were released. I could pinpoint maybe two or three that I knew and the rest. I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know who they were. No offense to any of them. I just, there's too much Thursday at like two o'clock being on here in the States, especially not being on television, but being on an app. Yeah. I'm definitely more likely to not watch it at that point. Also you and you and everybody else was put in a position like you guys are going to have to choose like, okay, wrestling yeah. fans, here you are pick and choose your shows, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately there wasn't really anybody picking NXT UK. You know no. what I mean? Just, it just, it, it was the con you know, granted, eliminate eliminate stuff like um uh, uh uh you know like like aew and and maybe like impact and a couple of these other shows and maybe nxt uk does fit in there does fit in that schedule but at the end of the day you had like so many major weekly shows some of them are just gonna fall by the wayside for a lot of people and that's that's what it was man and i yeah. think their biggest downfall too was the fact that they weren't on television because most people if you didn't have 
the network, you had no access to NXT UK. Yeah, and, and the time, the time too, was no help. Mm-hmm. Thursday at like two o'clock, three o'clock, whatever it was. I'm at work, just like the rest of America's at work for the most part. You know, we're at that time we're at work, and, and furthermore, we're not going to try and catch it on the replay. If it was on TV and it was at least televised and taped, I'd be more likely to catch it then. Put it on when Impact is on. No one can find that on fucking Access anyway. Most freaking places don't have that as a freaking channel anyway. You know, so for, you know, someone like me or Alex, we got to watch that on YouTube. I'm not going to YouTube to watch it. Just like I'm not going to AEW Dark. I'm not going to AEW Dark Elevation. I'm not going to watch any goddamn YouTube show. I'm going to watch it if it's on TV. That's it. Plain and simple. Like this. It's it's unfortunate, too, because if, if you actually had the chance to pay attention to the product they were putting out, NXT UK probably had the best pure wrestling out of any television pro wrestling wise that was on TV throughout the week. I'll they just this, never had the platform. The venue was incredible. Like that, that inside how it looked incredible, incredible. I love that. But at the time I'm not catching it. And you know, by the time I'm trying to catch up on other wrestling, that NXT UK was the last thing on my mind. Agreed. It was, it was pretty far down the list for, for me as well, but playing off of something Kyle said, talking about call-ups, Santos Escobar is about to get called up from the NXT 2.0 roster. What do you guys think about how they should use him on the main roster with Triple H at the helm? Put him in a big feud right away. Make him make him make a splash. It's not it's not hard to make somebody feel important. Is you have to make their like their debut feel big. Like that's all it is. Like have him come out, fight one of the major guys. Like have him come out in, in either challenge, attack, whatever. Just avoid the cliche like first like feud of like Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin, you know, Sheamus. Like no offense to those guys who are great, but that instantly lowers the perception, the perceptional value of a wrestler is when they start off there. It's such a longer climb to feel important than if you can just have a guy debut in the um you know and beat john cena like like kevin owens did think about it like kevin owens was a main event player day one because of that debut match with john cena now not everybody has to come up and beat you know a bona fide wwe hall of famer you know on their debut but put him close to that and and you'll feel special man i think you'll i think you feel special Lee, you got two cents? I, I got to agree that that first impression means everything. You know, we know Vince didn't pay attention to NXT. You know, so when some of these guys are getting called up and we see them in stupid segments and this and that, we already know based off rating ratings, most people who watch Raw aren't watching NXT the NXT ratings compared to WWE are literally in half, you know? So you have to go in assuming that your main roster fans have no idea who this guy is. So he needs to make a splash. He needs to make an impact. He needs to be given the feeling to the fans 
that this guy's the new number one guy coming in and, and he's going to be unstoppable or he's going to be the best technician we've ever seen or the best high flyer we've ever seen or just the best in the game in general. He can, you know, have him spit it better than anybody else. But he's got to go in there and he's got to feud with a top dog. Now, if he's going to SmackDown, they've got a clusterfuck of a bunch of people already, you know, after Roman Reigns, which has made SmackDown a hell of a lot more interesting as we've seen the ratings go way up. Uh, if he goes to Raw, depending on how they want to use him, I would say Raw might be the better fit. And, and you know, Kyle says not a cliche person, but give him what we should have gotten from Andrade. And you want his first feud? Seth freaking Rollins. Hmm. Who is not still, the direction of night. He is still not the heavyweight champion, Lee. He's not the universal champion yet. Still not the universal champion. No, he's still not the universal champion, but you know, Seth is a guy who's, you know, an on top guy no matter what. So he can sit there and he can give, you know, a heck of a show and, and put somebody over, win or lose. Honestly, not the way I thought you were going to go, Lee. Well, Alex, let me ask you a question. You haven't been on the show recently. I did have somebody send in a question for the, the panel, and it's a post-Roman WWE. If you were in charge then, Alex, who do you think would you would book to, to take the belt off of Roman now that they do have so many stuff or so many guys? So, okay, let me preface it with this question. Are we, by taking the title off, are we talking about the – unified title goes to the next person like both titles go or title split in this scenario well i've got a follow-up question that's going to bounce right behind you so let's assume that they keep the titles unified for right now okay so if Ew. they keep if they keep the titles unified uh and i know this sounds a little cliche because they have the pay-per-view coming up but i think if they keep the titles unified i think the best person to take the titles off of roman is probably drew mcintyre and I say that because Drew McIntyre was white hot during the pandemic era. He basically carried the company on his back with his WWE title reign. That being said, he obviously never really got that opportunity in front of the fans to do the same, which we all know because we saw the beginning of his push right before the, pa the pandemic started and the fans had to leave the arenas where the crowds were going insane for Drew McIntyre. Not to say that they're, you know, they're not behind him now, but there's not that frenzy that would you know act up when he would come out like when he won the royal rumble when the fans were still in the arenas so i think drew with all the work that he's put in over the past couple of years deserves that i think he deserves to have another crowning moment in front of the fans to cement his legacy as a top guy because in my opinion i think when roman finally steps down and you know walks away from wwe i think drew mcintyre is still going to be there i think he's going to be there until you know the man retires and I think there's no better person suited to take both titles off Roman than Drew McIntyre. That Drew ain't getting a belt unless they're being split up. Like, I hate to burst the bubble, man, but if they ain't splitting up those belts, then Drew ain't getting them. Like, Drew won't be the one at, um, at, uh, at like, even at Clash of the Castle. It's just, I, I just, it's, there's, I feel like WWE's, perception of 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 roman's value 
is they just they need that guy with a belt around his shoulder at all times. They're going to need it until he's taking vacation for a long period of time. I just don't see them doing it, man. Like, I feel like if if McIntyre is going to take a belt off Roman, it's only going to be one of them. They're going to break up those titles again. We're going to have a champ on Raw. We're going to have a champ on SmackDown. Um, I just I just can't see the I just can't see the scenario where they where they just strip Roman of the belts at um uh, uh, anywhere prematurely of of WrestleMania because right. that's that's what we've built Roman for, right? Why why is Roman been champion? As long as he's been champ, if we're not going to dethrone him at WrestleMania, like no offense. Clash of the Castle is awesome. A stadium show in the UK. That's that's amazingly huge. It's still not WrestleMania, though. They're not going to put 50,000 people in that stadium the way they did SummerSlam. It's not going to be a bigger match than Roman and Brock by a long shot. Call yeah. it what it is. I mean, I'm not taking away from what they're going to do in Cardiff. It's going to be a phenomenal show. The card's going to be like amazing. It's going to be great. They're going to put on a hell of a production. But it's not going to take away from the fact that Roman and Drew will not put on the same match that Roman and Brock did in the last man standing match. Lee, let me get you in here on this conversation. USA is apparently starting to get a little bit pissed off with the fact that one, Roman is part-time, and two, they don't have a title on Monday nights every week anymore. Do you think this could be the early rumblings of an issue with uh, WWE's TV deals with USA, which has been a long-standing partnership? Yeah, it's happened in the past. I mean, Kyle's brought this up on another show that we were on. The Helen, the 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 whole ordeal. SmackDown got a Hell in a Cell match and Raw. <laughs> oh no, USA no, no, was... no! You're right. I still find it one of the most hilarious yeah. things that took place. So, so Raw is, you know, in the USA Network is like, well, where's our Hell in a Cell match? And we got the strangest Hell in a Cell match in the world of fucking Bobby Lashley and Xavier Woods, like. <laughs> Who killed it, by the way? That was actually a very entertaining match. Xavier Woods yeah, did tear the like, house down. That was a great match. It was... It was... Uh, thank you for the follow, uh, Kill Jeff. I think that's your name, Kill Jeff. I don't yeah, know. I was about to say, he commented that you had a cute kid. He's a good buddy of mine. He's a, a chef friend. He just it, followed us on, on SmackDraw, so big, big, big thanks, man. He's got a Tennessee Titans podcast, too, so shout out to uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, I didn't sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No, you're good. It, it was something unexpected. It's like we've seen this in the past. Let's not forget they've had a rocky relationship in the past as well. WWE was not on the network for a while. They bounced around, if everyone remembers, when you know they went to TNN. Yeah, I was break the TNN deal, yeah. Spike yeah, TV too. Spike TV, you know. Wasn't wasn't that like advertised originally as like the the man's network? I can't remember what yeah. it was called. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. network for men. Yeah, it was. Spike TV was killing it for a while because I think there was actually even a little bit of an overlap with right before Raw went back to USA, where uh, Spike TV had both Raw and TNA both on their network. They also had UFC as well. They did. Like, yeah. they, they were crushing it for a minute there. Yeah, they had a good thing going. I don't know what the hell happened, though. But, you know, so we've had this rocky relationship in the past. Does it affect things? You know, Roman made it clear in an early interview that he would be retired by 40. So the fact that we have him working part-time 
I guess, is a, a gift to us because WWE hasn't figured it out yet on a newer star. And, and he's at a good level now, but for him to be part-time, this is the time he needs to be rest, like he needs to be full-time. doesn't have to be wrestling full-time, but he needs to be seen on TV. He needs to be seen on TV a lot. You are the champion. We as fans need to see the champion. We don't see the champion. We're like, all right, what the hell do we have to watch? Why are we watching this? The main champ's not even on all the time. This kind of sucks. So the USA Network, who does not have Roman Reigns on all the time, you see it in their ratings. Their ratings are lower than what SmackDown's ratings are on the Fox Network. Can we attribute to Roman being part of that? Maybe. I mean... The raw ratings had been down for a while because the show had, you know, had sucked. Let's be honest, call it what it is. Uh, and it's gotten better thanks to Triple H as of late. But yeah, it's an issue. It, and it's, it's always going to be an issue. Like if you're if like if your champion is on SmackDown and the other champ, you know, back in the day when they had the draft, if you were a champion, if you were the heavyweight champion, whether women's, men's. You were on both shows. He's got both titles. He should be on both shows. I don't care if he, you know, same with the Usos. We see the Usos on Raw more than we see Roman Reigns, to be honest with you. So if they're able to be on both shows, you know, where's your champion? That, well, I, think, that's, I think that's how they put him on by proxy is with the yeah. Usos. Like, yeah. here's the Roman segment. Even though he's not here, we got the Usos. We got Paul Heyman. We got Sami Zayn now. It's, it's like he's, it, it's their proxy. Of, of of Roman, and it's Sammy it's Clark. not it's not that hard of a solution too because in my opinion, do what you did, do what SmackDown Live did in 2016 with John Cena right, right after the draft. Cena was on SmackDown for a while, almost every week, but he wasn't wrestling every week because he was transitioning into that part time aspect. But he made a point of being on the show every week, even if it was just for a segment to give a boost to the show. But he didn't have to wrestle every week. Do the same thing with Roman on Raw. You have him wrestle on SmackDown here and there, but you can just have him show up on Raw and, you know, basically hype up matches with people on pay-per-views. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's the nature of becoming bigger than the show, though. Roman Roman has has worked his way into a very favorable contract to where the company values him. I mean, look at what we were all saying about CM Punk just a moment ago. How like CM Punk is has such a high stock in in AEW and can start calling his own shots. That's where Roman has worked himself to is that position um where he doesn't have to come in all the time. Like he's slowly I th- I feel like like uh, uh, from like the spectrum of part timers from Cena was like one of the most active part timer stars and Lesnar was like the least active part timer star. And now we've got Roman like somewhere in the middle of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that's where he's going to sit. My gut is this is this is it like this is what we're going to get. Once Roman goes into a program, he might be on a little bit more frequently for like a month or two during the program. But I think this is the Roman we get until ultimately he's dethroned and then he truly becomes the 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 big four attraction popping up only for WrestleMania, SummerSlam, maybe, you know, like Royal Rumble and stuff. I, I that's just how I'm interpreting uh his I position. 
I think it's a shame too, because I, obviously I think we can all agree on this. We're getting the best Roman Reigns that we've ever gotten out of his entire career right now. Fans of, you know, we bitched and moaned for years that we wanted Roman Reigns off our TV screens. And he was just there in every segment of the show 24 seven. Now they've got a character behind him that everybody is borderline obsessed with WWE fans, at least. Yeah. And, you know, all we want is more of Roman now and he's not there. We wanted a Roman that acted like he didn't give a shit. And now that now we got it. And yeah. part of not giving a shit is not being there weekly, man. <laughs> it's the same thing that happened with John Cena, too. Once John started, it's kind of like what we're getting with Cena now. Everybody's mm-hmm. always asking where Cena is. When's he going to wrestle? When's he going to be on TV? And, you know, you, longing you for him to non- come Non-wrestling fans asking about Cena. Yo, is Cena yeah. wrestling? You know, like that's. Sadly not. <laughs> okay, Wait, get so... in here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've 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 got a lot now since we've we you guys have talked. Kyle had said that he doesn't see the titles being split up at Clash at the Castle. I can see it happening now, and I have good reasons, especially after all this talk going on. Yeah, reason reason number one. It's well rumored that they're bringing the draft back. Number two, Survivor Series is always Raw versus SmackDown. They're going to want a Raw champion and a SmackDown champion in the men's mm-hmm. because otherwise you got Roman Reigns literally doing nothing unless you add a fourth person to the bloodline and the bloodline remember is on SmackDown on uh, the uh, blah, blah, the Survivor Series match itself. And then Raw has its randomness. But I, I don't see that happening. I see the titles being split up for Roman, but they're going to keep the one on Roman that he's held the longest to keep that streak going. Mm-hmm. Which would be the uh, the universal title at over 700 days. Yeah, so they'll keep that on him. He'll lose the other one to Drew. Drew has that on Raw. Survivor Series, Roman wins it back. And we see the Usos with the same same thing. They lose their titles at some point, but they, you know, for the Raw versus SmackDown deal with Survivor Series, they win them back. And then, you know, we see another, we, we see basically the resurrection of Bloodline 2.0, basically, you know, where things calm down a little bit, but they come back hot, heavy, stronger, better, better than ever. So I can see the belts being taken off. It's just going to be the raw ones and the one Roman hasn't held for a while. Right. Because we do need to keep it interesting just because we have all these new people for him. Yeah. Well, when Drew takes the title to Raw, that gives Karrion something to do. Now we're going to have Roman just exclusively back on SmackDown. Now USA is happy, and now Fox is, you know, and Fox will probably be mad for a little while, but they've got good ratings, so they can't be that mad. But we're going to see it only be a short time just to appease USA Network for a little bit. So, yes, I see it playing an effect, and that's the effect I see it playing, Will. Now, my, Will, my thing can... wasn't that I, it, my thing wasn't that I didn't see Roman losing the belts. I, I, and I may have said it wrong. My thing was is Drew wouldn't win if they didn't intend on splitting the belts. Meaning, if if they were just going to keep the belts like both together, I would say Drew wouldn't win. I think if they if the yeah. belts are going to be split, that's the way I could see a victory for Drew or somebody else. It's the only so, way. It's the only yeah. way. But now, Roman ain't going to drop both times. <clears throat> No, now, he can get can screwed I, out of one. Now, can I just interject for a second with, because, you know, obviously, Will, I had asked you, 
with the preface of is this if the titles are split up or if they are not may i give my opinion on what i think would happen if they did plan on splitting splitting the belts up because that plays into why i picked drew mcintyre for the unified belt absolutely go ahead so my theory was that if they were to split up the belts i feel like that is not as much of a crowning moment for drew mcintyre i mean he's still winning the wwe championship that's awesome happy for him but i don't know what could be bigger for his career specifically than winning both titles in cardiff in in his home like his home continent and all that the reason i also went with that is because if you split up the belts you could have drew win it you could have carrion cross win it you could have the two of them build towards a program for wrestlemania you could start a slow burn basically right after clash of the castle and it could result in a wrestlemania match whereas roman there's the obvious choice that he is most likely going to wrestlemania to face the rock it's it's pretty well known at this point unless something happens with rock schedule that he's going to wrestlemania to face the rock and i don't see wwe putting both titles on the rock i see them putting one title on him because he's going to be around even less than roman is so i don't i don't i don't see them putting both titles on rocky i could see them putting the universal title on him just for a short period of time, have him have him away for a while. But I think the biggest moment you can give Drew McIntyre is winning the uni- the undisputed Universal Title at Cardiff. The chat chimes in and says the champ is the show. This is from Jeff. Otherwise, your main card will always seem weak. Wouldn't wouldn't the splitting wouldn't splitting the belts make that possible? Allison chimed in and says it allows the champs to be seen to be special and gives it more of a prestige type thing. Let me read a couple statistics off of you guys, and I want to see what you guys think about them, okay? One person had a title reign that was over 400 days, and he defended the title over 100 times. Then you have somebody who has a title reign of 700 days, and he's barely defended it 50 times. And I know you're going to go, what about house shows? I made sure to check those numbers, too. Will, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but huge thanks to Colossal Spear Baby for following uh, our Twitch channel. Thank you very much. I, I'm sorry, Will. I just wanted to, to thank them. You can't follow ours. No, because we got you banned last night. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it was such a good show, too, and now we're suspended again. I'm sorry, Will. I just I just wanted to shout out the live viewer. Sorry. <laughs> so anyways a title defense he had 400 days with the belt with over 100 title defenses then a person has the belt for 700 days but only defends the belt 49 times what do you think is the biggest like do you view a 700 day reign with half the title defenses as much as you would a 400 day reign with over 100 depends on the matches yeah just how meaningful were the matches how meaningful were the stories the feuds um, right and uh, I'm also pretty sure I know who you're talking about. Are we, are we talking about the CM Punk WWE title reign? Yeah. Okay. So uh, the one thing I'll have to say about that too is it's, it's kind of hard to compare the two of those as well at the same time because you had a guy like CM Punk who went champion. He was a full-time wrestler. He was, he was on the road full-time, whereas Roman is not. So, I mean, they're both bringing star power to the company. They're both bringing in money. They're both bringing in ratings. I, I think it's a little, in my opinion... I think it's a little hard to compare the two of them only because the two aren't on the same playing field with the amount of time that they're around. Do you think it says something when a champion's working 200 days a yearly? Not anymore. 
Not anymore. You don't think that's a, that's the standard bear? Uh, 1970, what was it? 19, no, it was 1986. Ric Flair worked 265 days or something like that that year as champion. Do you think champions still need to have that kind of a work, weight, work rate and workload to, to stay on top of the business? Well, Flair said he did that also because he hated being home. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Flair, Flair, Flair liked the life that was on the road as well, though. Yeah. He still does. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> this is like, you know, the old school territory type, you know, uh, interview an old school wrestler and, and they'll tell you I was on the road 300 days. I don't get this new generation of wrestlers playing video games or treating it like a video game with the flip flopping stuff that they do in the ring. That's how most interviews go with legends nowadays. Uh, I would say this, that it doesn't matter anymore because I don't think the new generation of fans really give a rat's ass. Um, you know, the house shows, you know, as Kyle said, you can defend the, the be on the road 300 days a year, defend it 300 days a year. How many of those matches really mean anything, though? Like, you, how many matches did Bruno San Martino have when he defended the championship? How many of them, you know, truly mattered? And, and again, you can compare the differences to the to then and now. His matches, uh, any city he went to and defended his title probably meant something. And the reason is because there wasn't social media to, you know, let the fans know. So, like, it had kept people on edge because they didn't know who had won by the time he got to the town the next night. It was only advertised Bruno San Martino versus, say, Larry Sabisco for the WWF championship. But it was always card subject to change because you wouldn't know if he won the night before or not. Nowadays, with social media and Uncle Dave, who's constantly you know looking for people to give him results of house shows and this and that, the house shows, uh, even when Alex and I have gone, and thank you, WWE, for comping tickets, but it felt more like them just practicing. You know, like, we watched Heath Slater just having fun dancing in the ring, and instead of, like, wrestling his own style, he wrestled like Stone Cold Steve Austin and was dropping Stone Cold stunners. Uh, Alex, if you remember, I tweeted at him, and he retweeted it with the photo. Mm -hmm. AJ Styles, before there was a blue Universal Championship, grabbed the fans' blue custom Universal Championship and said, I'll be holding this one day. You know, things like that. So, like, to me, the house shows, and this is coming from me as an old school fan, I would look at it as back in the day, yeah, it absolutely matters. You know, you should be defending your championship more. But nowadays, even to like to me, with this new style and new school of what professional wrestling is considered, or as you know, Vince McMahon had even coined it back in the '80s, it's sports entertainment. It doesn't have the same, you know, effect to me as as it would have 10, 15 years ago. As me being me, it just I I've lost. I don't want to say I've lost interest as far as that goes. But if I don't adapt to the new generation of wrestling, the new style of sports entertainment, then I'm just going to become a bitter old man who hates pro wrestling but is still watching it for God knows whatever reason. So if you, I don't, you mean like Bret Hart? Hi, yeah, my, so, hi. Uh, my name is Will Gray, and uh, you just described everything about who I am as a person. Lee, fucking <laughs> thank you, man. Right. 
So like Thank if I you, don't, God, if I don't adapt to this new school of wrestling, then I'm just going to be this bitter piece of shit who, who hates wrestling, but I can't understand why I'm watching it. But living in the past at the Hasbro bar, watching WWF Saturday main event, you know, things like that. Again, Bret Hart. Yeah. So I had I have to adapt, and to me, it's it's no longer an issue that Roman's not defending his championship at every house show, that he's not defending at every Raw, SmackDown, any WWE related show there is. It's more meaningful when the title is defended in a bigger match with a great storyline, uh, with purpose. Defending it three hundred times a year doesn't scream that there's purpose to this you know how did john cena keep the united states championship relevant he defended it every week on raw with a different challenger but it was you know you weren't getting the caliber of wrestlers you would expect john cena to wrestler you were actually getting those lower mid-card guys coming out which you know gave them tv time uh allowed the title to be seen on television and allowed us to see John Cena work a match, even though it wasn't a desirable match because they saved those for pay-per-views. Right. So they made meaningful championship defense defenses be on pay-per-view while he, you know, had these matches on raw. And the only reason why they had purpose was because he made it a special challenge. Right. If they I did, think, go ahead. If they did that with, with the heavyweight championship, does the WWF championship really have purpose, even though you have it being defended every week? My answer would be now, the answer would be no. Back then it would be yes, because you're, you're telling me it means something by giving opportunities. Now I would say no, because, well, you're just defending it too much and it doesn't mean anything. There's no story behind why this guy's coming out for you to wrestle him. There, there's nothing there. Well, I think another thing that we also have to remember, too, that plays into this pretty big, too, is how WWE's wellness program has also changed a lot of things because now they also take care of the wrestlers a lot better than they used to. Um, just for a point, pointing example, um, Seth Rollins, his injury in 2015, he got injured defending the title on a house show against Cade and was taken off of television, had to relinquish the title because of that. We've got guys like CM Punk when he was in WWE, his injuries that basically piled up in, were one of the main driving factors behind him leaving WWE started because he was wrestling so many of those house shows. We've seen a lot of times over the years where champions had to relinquish titles due to injuries that they picked up on house shows. So I think defending the title less on house shows is actually probably a better thing because it should be saved for pay-per-views because then you don't have these guys getting taken out on injury. You don't have these guys being stripped of the title and having to change a title match for a pay-per-view. So I, I, we, we see a lot less, I think of the house show wrestling with certain companies, not really WWE. Cause obviously they're still planning on going back to house shows, but uh, a lot of these companies like AEW, for example, they don't run really house shows because they also don't want these guys getting hurt and being taken off of television. I want to chime in too, just right behind you lead to, to talk about a point you were making with the territories also is when you think about somebody like Flair, when he had the NWA World's title, every territory was a WWE or an AEW. Every territory had its own roster of stars. So if you think in you know, the peak of the territories, there were anywhere between 17 and 25 active territories in the United States, which means a week in each territory doing two or three shows a week meant 
you know, that in its own right, right there would have meant he would have spent half the year on the road just covering every territory. You see what I mean? Just to make sure he touched everywhere. And as the NWA world champion, he was required to do that. Now with there only being two big companies in the country and neither one of them cross-promoting with each other, if Roman wrestled 300 days a year, it would be Roman wrestling Bobby Lashley eight times. It would be Roman wrestling Seth Rollins 25 times. It would be 13 matches against squash matches with people like, you know, uh, you know, Ciampa, anybody they would do. That's what we would get. So I think that's a big reason why we don't see the 300-day workloads anymore. Kyle, completely changing the direction of this conversation right now because it's my show and I can do it. Sick. What do you think about Okada winning the G1? Oh, he won the G1? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Okada's awesome. <laughs> Do you Look at that. We just got a live reaction. Sick, man. That's cool. Yeah, Okada's, <laughs> Okada's the man, dude. Do you think I, in, Do you think New Japan has a problem where they're over-relying on him? Anytime they want that cheap pop, is Okada the rock they bring back to get it? Hell if I know. I'm not qualified to answer that. Good answer. I, I um I uh I like Okada though I fucking I dude I I anytime I I want to show somebody like a real wrestling match like quote unquote I always throw on like his bangers with Kenny Omega I'm like if you want to I was like you and it's it's normally for a certain person and I so let me let me preface this before because I'm telling you guys who all are big wrestling fans what I mean is that that non wrestling fan who's like. The stuff is too choreographed. It looks too safe. It doesn't look like it hits that hard. I'm like, okay, let me show you this. Uh, I will, I will show you something that will have you like wincing and, and cringing, at, like in a in a good way. Um, and so I, I love throwing on like, especially their especially their opening one, the first one that they did mm-hmm. um, uh, of their of their three legendary uh, matches, which I still herald to this day is like probably one of, if not like the best. Um, I, I don't know how you would call it like feuds or, or string of matches, trilogies, like trilogy of matches. How about that? Um, yeah. Okada's the man. Like I, I'm, I'll be a fan of life. I'll be a fan for life watching that stuff. And then seeing even the, the lesser stuff that he did, his, his little part that he did with, um, it was, I, I noticed that he was pretty entertaining behind the scenes. Um, like his feud with, uh, uh Marty Skrull and he used to taunt him. Uh, 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 throwing up like the 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 two o five, like referencing that you, you're just gonna be a two o five live uh, wrestler if you ever go to WWE and shit. Hell yeah. Um, no, that's awesome, dude. Good for Okada. He's cool. Uh, is he being used too much? I don't know. Maybe. Um, that's that's something more for like like um, Marie or uh, or or an underrated podcaster that doesn't get enough shine from our shows is, is Savannah over at um at Sheely Showcase. Uh, those two uh, uh live and bleed. Uh, uh, New Japan. I think the cool thing about Okada, though, is he can manage to to win these high profile tournaments and be back in the top spot while also putting over other people on the way to doing that. Like point in case during the G one, you just we just saw Jonah beat Okada. Jonah, who was you know just Bronson Reed in WWE, and he was looking like he was going to be a good up and coming star. That match <coughs> where he beat Okada basically made him. I'll have to go back and watch that. Yeah, it was a hell of a match. Jonah's got me blocked on my personal account and my podcast account because I said when he was in WWE, couldn't work like a big man. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) So he he blocked me. (laughs) Okada's a big deal for us, though, us us filthy casuals. 
You know what yeah. I mean? I know I know the joke is is that that AEW fans will pop for anything, but dude, it was deafening um mm-hmm. when Okada came out on Dynamite. It, it and even though it was like it was it was like essentially nothing. Um he'll he'll always be like huge. Like he's a huge deal, man. He's like he's a he's an international star, like legitimate. That dude, you could put him anywhere, and I think he'd be a top guy, no matter where you put him. Uh, in unless it's TNA, in that case, they're just gonna stick I mean, him with it. I was gonna say they already did stick him with it. He was what like Samoa Joe's like lackey assistant when he Joe was, was in the, the play on the Green Mafia. Hornet or something with like yeah. the, the black mask and everything. He's like uh, he's like his spy and would like go around and just dude, like videotape people. I promise you, whoever stuck him with that shtick like still cringes at night, like in the shower or where they lay in bed. I was like, how was I that fucking dumb? Like I had, I had this international superstar and that's what I did with it. You know what I mean? Man, early TNA was known for that though. Like, I mean, they, they kind of around like the 2008, 2009 mark kind of figured out how to use people. But early on, they, they like abused having people like Okada over like Naito, uh, like Tanahashi, CM Punk, even to a degree. There were so many high-profile stars. Even John Moxley did some time there. So many high-profile stars that came through early TNA who are mega stars now, and they could have been mega stars for that company if they were booked right. Just had no idea what they were doing, man. Nope. So what happens when you allow Vince Russo to come in and be head of creative after he already basically helped drown a company? <laughs> Do you think that in and I know. I'm going to, I get a lot of flack for this. Do you not think that Vince inherited a shit show when he went to TNA though with Dutch and what Dixie and them were already doing? Because he did come straight out of WCW, which he did sink. I'm not taking away from what he did there. But when he got the TNA, they were already booking electrified steel cage matches and shit like that. Triple H just inherited a shit show, and look what he's done in two weeks. Yeah, hold on. Hold well, on. you're also an AEW shill, though, Kyle. So you didn't like. <laughs> well, hold on. I'm not. I'm not, dude. I, I'm complimenting WWE. Like I was Triple say- H legitimately inherited one of my most dreaded shows that to watch every week, and now Raw for me is must see again. Like I, I have agree. to. See. The same thing with SmackDown. Two people who inherited widely criticized products. No, man, Vince Russo is just perspectively once again i'm not there just seems like he's really bad at his job whenever you put him in that position man well what i'll say is in vince russo's defense he did have he had two stints with tna early tna and then the dixie carter era the first time he came into tna dixie wasn't part of the company yet it was strictly still owned by the Jarretts, and there was some cringy stuff in early tna i will Give him credit, though, on his second run with TNA, he was probably also bogged down by Dixie Carter making some decisions when she knew almost nothing about professional wrestling. She was a music star. Yeah. Lee, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. You say what you got to say first, and then I have a question for you picked out. Okay, so Vince Russo first joined TNA, and it was early 2003, right? Yep, it was like 2002, 2003. Yeah. Well, 2002 he literally came right from wwe because he was in wwe at the time but it was a very very short stint yep he he wanted to recreate the wcw invasion angle but he wanted to use stars that weren't used Mm -hmm. in the first one because we all knew that sucked to be honest with you yeah so he he had a he talked about this in our interview youtube.com slash person on top rope sorry shameless plug i do it all the time um 
but he talked about it and you know we had asked about it because I, I wanted to know he wanted to use stars like Bret Hart, Goldberg, Scott Steiner, the guys that weren't part of it the first time. Uh, I believe it was that run. No, Alex, was it the first run or the run in with Dixie where he created a SEX? That was the first run. Okay. I honestly didn't think that was that bad. No, it wasn't. That was actually a pretty entertaining faction. Yeah, you know, it was him, Disco Inferno, things like that. You know, mm -hmm. I thought that was, that was entertaining that he had done. Uh, he did make some mistakes, uh, we learned in TNA, like when we talked with Larry Sabisco. Uh, he cut the Larry Sabisco AJ Styles angle. Which was, at the time, probably their best angle that they had going. It almost feels like it was out of spite. Um, but... You know, yeah, but then you then you go to a second run and you uh, you have the Claire Lynch angle. Yeah, so I mean, you know, mistakes are made. The man didn't always have the best reputation, but he he did have some some good stuff. So I mean, I'm you know I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I feel like um, I feel like when it comes to him. People want to go the needle all the way down and the needle all the way up. He was either, he, he could have been, like, people want to argue that he was really, really grid and this creative genius and they pull up the Attitude Era or, you know, he's absolute dog shit and, and you know, they bring up, like, the everything on a pole match, like his obsession with putting shit on poles. Man likes um, poles, leave him alone. What if we just agreed to say that he was, like, an average talented booker? Like, just... Because I mean, dude, you could argue that like even, I mean, I know it's I know it's a weird one to bring up, but like even the Attitude Era, like if he was booking the Attitude Era today, like it it, it would just it, we would we would look at it as bad. Like we I think would... my I think my issue was more that he tried to use the same booking for every company that he was in, and it didn't fit the mold for every company. His booking in the Attitude Era in WWE was absolutely fantastic. He I would say is one of the main reasons that the Attitude Era in WWE was so great but then he tried to take that same mindset and bring it to both wwe and i mean uh wcw and tna and they just there was a different vibe to both of those companies and that's kind TNA, of like what an average performer does they find yeah. something that works and then they kind of just like stick to it and then as the game evolves they kind of was just like i'm gonna stick to what got me a good result before and then you get diminishing returns and it's not as good that's anymore Right. I, I, I beg to differ on this average booker ordeal because during the WWF Attitude Era, and, and Alex, you remember, Vince talks about this. There was only two writers, Vince Russo, Tony mm -hmm. Gurria. WWE right now per show has like 20 writers freaking each. You had two writers during the Attitude Era. You two main writers, I should say. Those were the two. They wrote out everything. He also... But you, I'm sorry, you can't tell me he was an average, average at this. When no, you can start out good, and then your skills can diminish over time, and, and, and then, then you got to take the average. You have to average but, it out. You can't be like one guy that nailed a home run and had a really good game, and then he had a subpar career afterwards, and be like that guy. That guy is as great as he was that one game. You have to average out the whole career and base it off of that assessment. You I gotta know agree. What I yeah, like I'm doing that too, but I wouldn't say he was average. 
because during whether it was the Attitude Era, WCW, TNA, anywhere that man went, it didn't matter if you were the world champion or if you were the guy on your back every week. You had a storyline. You had a reason why you were on TV. And he was able to do that with anyone in everyone that was on the roster, whether he liked you or not. You were on television. If you were on the roster, you were on television. And that's why I say he's a, above average because you have guys today that there's people sitting in the back catering, and Daniel Bryan has said this, that hope they don't even get picked to wrestle because they don't want to go wrestle on main event. They don't want to go wrestle on superstars. They'd rather sit in the back. But Vince Russo, as a booker, he got everybody on television and everybody got a spot. Uh, yeah, I'll give that's him – I mean – You'd have to be at least a little above average to keep getting employed. I'll give him that, but I, right. I, I don't think I could ever call him like great. You know what I mean? Like I just can't, man. Because for every for every attitude era stuff, there's there's Judy Bagwell on a pole, there's Viagra on a pole, there's there's a lot of the crazy shit in TNA. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, you look, man. Like it's okay to be heralded as like, at least you're ticking. I'll say this, at least you're on the good side of things and you're not an overall bad guy. Um, Let me ask you a question then, Kyle, when you, when you talk about the issues with him overbooking matches, this is some of the same stuff that TK is catching flack for right now, because on AEW free TV, we're getting casket matches and, you know, blood and guts matches and street fights and barbed wire exploding death matches. Do you think AEW is overbooking their free TV then playing oh, devil's absolutely. advocate with you? No, absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know the in joke is I'm an AEW shill. It's I, I love the people in AEW and I love the wrestling. I am starving for some creativity over there though, in the story, in the story department. Like I really am. And then of course, like the women stuff, but I, I yeah, absolutely, man. They're, they're over they're overdoing it. They're trying to, I think what happened is, is Tony Khan, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to uh, uh, level out. You know what I mean? He, he hit the, he hit the ground running so hard for years one and two. And I think right now he's having trouble. There's a couple factors that come into play, but I think in his mind, he wants to maintain that level of hypeness for every single show. And yeah, but I, I will say this when it comes to overbooking stuff too, I am a fan of overbooking in certain areas, man. Like, like, you know, I love overbooked matches. I love it when a match can break down to like a clusterfuck at times. You know what I mean? And then at the same breath, I'd like an- another match, which is like a no nonsense, like just technical masterpiece. Well, I think I, if you're going to open uh, overbook matches too, you got to make sure you're not overbooking them in the same way every right. time it can't be a run-in every time it can't be a ref bump every time tna in their worst days was known for ref bump at the end of every match during the second vince russo era <laughs> and i that was that was one of the biggest things that put people off during that end of that spike tv era let me ask you guys a question why we're on the topic of overbooking lee mm-hmm. i want your two yeah. cents on this one okay Brett Lauderdale and the guys over at GCW are in the current processes of booking a War Games deathmatch. Do you guys think somebody will legitimately die if they do a War Games-style deathmatch where they trap these guys in two cages stretched between two rings with eight guys in there with GCW doing GCW things? Uh, I don't want to say... (sighs) 
who's in the match? That would that'll help me. They haven't they haven't printed the card yet, but everything is pointing towards it going to be a King of the Death match. Uh, Nick Gage and a couple of his buddies versus you know the other side of GCW. Uh, Matt Cardona's name has been brought up because he's been doing the King of the Death match stuff, which I think is complete bullshit. But uh, Maria in the chat has already chimed in and said yes, someone is gonna die <laughs> that quick. Uh, what do you guys think about it? GCW doing a war game style death match. I mean, so, I'll go ahead. I, and this is where I'll agree with our former host, Rob Hockman. Rob and I talked about this when we were going over our thoughts on GCW on one of our shows a couple months back. I think GCW is absolute hot garbage. I don't find them entertaining at all. I think it is a shout out to the people who still haven't gotten over the fact that ECW folded the original ECW that is. And I, I just, I don't, I don't find their product entertaining. I, I think it's just, I think it's garbage. So I'm going to be biased, unfortunately on this one. And I, I, I don't care, honestly. So Alex, you're telling me you didn't watch backyard fest four or whatever it was where they were out there wrestling on trampolines. You didn't, I can you tell you that. that I can tell you I have no idea what that even is. Attaboy. Attaboy. That right there. <laughs> Lee? You look like you had something G- to say. Yeah, to compare GCW and ECW are, are really... I'm not, I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying that their fan base is a bunch of people that never got over the fact that ECW folded. I'm not saying they're the same show. I'm saying it's, it's almost a knockoff dedication to the people that never got over the fact that the show folded well you pretty much just described every time somebody runs a show in philadelphia though because every wrestler i've ever interviewed has said the same thing about the philadelphia crowd is that every since ecw came in the fold there all they've wanted is that same fill for that city everybody wants that same blood guts broken tables beat the shit out of each other and go with it yeah no you're right i i would agree then that's my opinion on that too i just i don't I, I like blood and I like weapons and violence here and there and wrestling. Now I don't, I don't think that 2022 is a time or place where we need that to be the entire match of the entire card. Every single match. I just, I don't, I don't think it has a place in wrestling in 2022. Agreed. So like, I, like they do, it, it's basically the next evolution of extreme wrestling is the way I look at it. You know, ECW did not use glass tables or really glass anything. Um, You know, the one time we saw it in WWE, we saw Hardcore Holly smash the big boss man with a glass pitcher in his face in 1999. And the big boss man got like glass in his eye and, you know, broke his skin open. And uh, that was the last time we saw it in WWF. Uh, never really saw an ECW though. We did see some, you know, crazy stuff with uh, tables being lit on fire and, and things to that barbed wire matches, you know, Sabu literally using duct tape to, to tape his skin together to avoid uh, stitches or not having to finish a match. Companies like GCW and even uh, CZW, or the next evolution of that, you know, they're using sawzaws and, and Dean Ambrose was one of them doing it. Or, you know, John Moxley, as, as we know him now in AEW, you know, using sawzaws. Uh, my opinion, like Alex, 
I like ECW. I don't like the death matches, you know, that Japan did with like Mick Foley, Terry Funk, guys like that. Not an uh, FMW guy. Nah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a GCW fan because it is over the top. What What is to happen? You break. You know, you go through this glass table, and the glass ends up sticking straight up and you end mm-hmm. up stabbed and can die you know mm-hmm. like a huge chunk of glass like this breaks off in your skin in the middle of the match it's we not saw, safe we saw how david arquette completely freaked out when he got caught in the neck and quickly ended the match because you don't know if that cuts you know right into the jugular it's mm-hmm. over you just right. ended you, you just ended your life for a match that you're getting paid a thousand dollars for that your hospital bill is going to be a lot more money than you know, like Allison in the Allison in the chat says death by pizza cutter. That is that is not that is not <laughs> that is not for love of the sport. That is just straight stupidity, in my opinion. You know, I respect the craft of all forms of professional wrestling, but at some point you draw a limit. You draw a line where you say, okay, well, if I know it's going to cost more than the hospital bill, I'm not going in and doing it. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense to me. Like, now, well. You know, I- so like for this it's the next evolution when you see stuff like that but i no it's 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 garbage it's not it's not rob van dam referred to guys like new jack as trash and that's what they are they're these the this style to me is trash i know i said i respect all forms but it, this is just it's 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 trash i get people like it i get why they enjoy it i don't enjoy it good for you for enjoying it my my jacket might be covered in blood but i mean there's a whole different story i took a (laughs) i took a brood bath after work i couldn't get this out so this it just it doesn't i don't know why we still have wrestlers going out there and doing this knowing the risks that they're gonna take like i'm sorry but me personally i don't want to watch someone get body slammed or choke slammed on a bunch of cement bricks I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch you staple oh. a piece of paper to some guy's head. I don't want to see you take a pizza cutter and blah, blah, blah. When you can't go to the goddamn dentist and fix your fucking teeth when you're missing your front fucking tooth and about 15 others, dude, Ooh. go to a goddamn dentist, go to a hygienist, get yourself fucking looked at. That's it. Nick Gage. A fucking psychiatrist for Christ's sakes, man. It's like, look at the fans themselves. It's like going to any other indie show, but this one's worse because it's like in a field days with people who didn't get past the third fucking grade. Allison says she loves you, Lee. <laughs> Everything you just said. <laughs> there, there's one singular thing that I will give GCW, and it's not even something I know from watching their products. It's just from seeing it on social media. The one thing I will say that GCW has contributed to the modern era of wrestling has Hardin. been... I was going to say is a career renaissance for Matt Cardona because I think without what he did in GCW, he wouldn't have had the character shift that he did. So if GCW did one thing, I think it's that they they helped Matt Cardona revive his career. Did GCW yeah. do it or did Matt Cardona do it? Well, I mean, obviously in that situation, if, if it happened at GCW, it's got to be a little bit of both. Without one, it didn't happen. Without Matt Cardona, I didn't know what GCW was and I wouldn't have given a rat's ass what it is. Right. And I, I, I don't today because it's... I respect the form and, and the people that enjoy it, whatever, even though I just trashed the shit out of them. That's a fucking oxymoron if I ever right. heard of it. 
but well, I, mean, I gotta say it's a little column a column b because that that yeah. is where it took place but so i would say if if one thing in the modern era came out of gcw it was matt cardona's career renaissance but we're seeing more modern guys go there because just like in early ecw after it became extreme championship wrestling not while it was eastern championship wrestling they had the technicians of uh voldemort the name we do not speak chris benoit uh dean malenko had you know had those guys having great technical matches the lucha libre of uh psychosis taking on ray mysterio and they still added in an extreme element to it you know with ray jumping from a balcony down to to uh uh psychosis doing the hurricane rana like a whole balcony down so like they added elements and had added different variations of wrestling they weren't just that extreme style they gave the fans a little bit of everything and then eric bischoff came in and said yeah i'll scoop half that roster thank you very much oh so quickly before we continue talking about gcw has anybody been paying attention to what's going on on smackdown tonight no sir but break it what's up uh, looks like Sheamus won the number one contenders match for the Intercontinental Championship and will face Gunther at Clash in the Castle. That is going to be a fucking amazing match. That will be a huge match. Yeah, especially for over there. They needed that. Now, what... on a funnier little note, too, it was also just released that um, that the episode of SmackDown that is being held in uh in Canada that the Usos were not allowed to enter the country due to their DUI arrests. Really? Yeah. They were barred from coming into Canada. Well, that makes sense because if you get arrested for a DUI, you're not allowed in Canada for 10 years. For like 10 years. Yeah. They're really strict about DUIs. Yeah. I just wanted to break that a little bit, but hell yeah. No, Seamus versus Gunther. I knew they were talking about possibly doing it, but that's going to be a barn burner of a match. Well, strip them of the belts. You can't come to Canada, strip them of the belts. Give them to a Canadian team for the night. Let them defend them. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. There you go. The conspiracy theories. Remember, that's what... While we're talking about ECW, TK recently said in an interview that he sees himself being more of a Paul Lee than a Vince McMahon. What do you guys think about that? Do you think he's... Do you see more Paul Heyman? Do you see more Vince McMahon? Or do you think TK's just full of shit and is just trying for clout to say he's like two of the best bookers in the last hundred years? So I, I like what TK does when it comes to trying to give the fans what they want. Um, you know, he's he's done a lot of good. He's given us a lot of stuff that we wanted to see in WWE or TNA in the past. He's given us a lot of matches, a lot of angles that we wanted to see. But I... I cannot get over how much I think this man is full of himself. You know, as much as everything that Vince McMahon has done recently leading up to his resignation was awful, everything he did to any of those women were awful, to, to basically compare yourself to him hours after he resigned and retired and say, you know, you're the, you're the longest reigning CEO or president of a company, which wasn't true either, didn't even, didn't even count companies like, New Japan, because I don't even think he said in the U.S. I think he just said in general. Uh, you didn't count companies like New Japan or, or anything else. I think the man sometimes is he's his own worst enemy because he tries to hype himself up so much. And I think if he just did what he does when I think he I don't think he's a bad booker. I think if he just did what he does without trying to hype himself up and make it about him all the time on social media, I think he'd be fine. I think 
think Tony Khan, the, the one thing he just needs to do is to stop talking about himself so much. Kaitai. He's a fucking billionaire. And you no. guys want this man, not, not you, Alex, but and you guys want this man to be relatable. He's a son of a billionaire. Like, dude's gonna be fucking cuckoo with his self-perception. The fact that anybody judges him based off of, like, the merit of their peers is fucking silly. It's so goddamn silly. Because any one of your peers, if they became a billionaire, would be a fucking crazy person. And TK is a crazy person. The fact that he's comparing himself to Polly and Vince McMahon are all that bold, like that crazy stuff. It's the signs of a crazy person who is a billionaire. I think it's so hilarious that that people like if this man should act a certain way, this and that, the constant just like bickering of how other people should compose themselves and, and can carry their business is I always found ridiculous, especially when that man operates and lives on a different existence than 99.9% of this planet. You know, it is what it is. I, I don't, I don't, I don't look into a word he says because there's no way I, I could fathom myself ever relating to a thing that man says, like, it's, it's just not a fair, it's not a fair concept to have. Um, as a booker, the, the, the guy, I can say this, like watching dynamite, he needs he needs people who are experienced storytellers like we can tell that the man doesn't have an easy time telling stories we have like two years of this great hangman page story and then he wins the belt and then he has a bunch of of, of like poor matches and feuds and he loses the belt and now and now where's hangman like he's he's gone like he he severely lacks creativity like creativity wise um but if there's anything that he does do that no one can deny he does try to be a fan pleaser. The man, the man tries to appease his fan base for the most part. But um, for the fact that like that, like people talk about how this man should carry himself, how he should talk, it's just like, yo, first of all, get a billion dollars. Go go get a billion dollars and then see how you act. Like we would all act like fucking self-pretentious assholes. You know what I mean? Like it's I just I firmly believe it. I always I always find it silly when when um I just find it silly. I do. Allison says he's a child playing fantasy booker with daddy's money. Marie says if I had a billion, I wouldn't be crazy. Yeah, Marie, you're already crazy. Okay, Marie, <laughs> like, like you're already there. All right, like, calm down. Well, gentlemen, I have one more question for you before we plug it and get ready to go. And this one is... It's going to be anticlimactic. I wish I had something better for the, the end of it, but... Do you think ratings are going to be the end of AEW with them seeing a drop? Do you think a TV deal is going to be the, the make or break for the company? If they lose the TV deal with TNT or TBS and they have to go somewhere other than Turner, do you think that AEW will fold without a good TV deal? Is there talk about them folding or TV deals? Their ratings, they've kind of just hit their plateau. Their ratings aren't going anywhere. They've, they've hit their base... 900,000, 1 million fans. It's just, it's not going up or down. No, as far as Dynamite, yeah, but Rampage is like damn near barely oh. hanging to like the last three weeks, I believe Rampage has been uh, 400 and 
38,430,469,000. They're not like NXT 2.0 has even like at least gone up to in the ratings of at least being, you know, 600,000 staying around that area. So like Rampage has dropped. Uh, as far as Dynamite, it, it while it's plat while it, it's stuck in in plateau mode, it does like a little of this, little rocky at the top, you know, yeah. going up and down, up and down. But they, they that show still hangs around nine hundred to a million, which is I, I would say it's fine because I see nothing wrong with that. The where, where I see the issue is is. The long-term storytelling is not there. Storytelling, really in general, it's there, but it's not there. Like you just got kind of got feuds, but like storytelling-wise, there's not much there in depth to the stories. So you're kind of just like, oh, okay, you know. Then you have AEW Dark and Dark Elevation, where there's just no storylines whatsoever. It's 15 matches, two promos, and you're just like, okay, it's all the same. So if they lost a TV deal, would it be the end of AEW? It hasn't been the end of MLW without having one. It has not been the end of Impact. They have a, a TV deal, even though, like I said, finding the channel is not easy <laughs> in, in some areas. And I'm pretty sure for Alex and I, we just we don't have it. Would you know? So which means YouTube. Uh, we don't have New Japan over here, and you know. They're still being, you know, we still watch it mm -hmm. in ways. Allison says everyone in AEW is always hurt. <laughs> well, in 2022, they are. Yeah. So like, For the well, most part, the most part, the injury bug didn't hit them that hard yeah. during during the COVID era. Well, I, I would say with the with the storytelling, while it might not be the greatest, it's definitely better than when they first started. Agreed. The booking from year one to year three is definitely better. Yeah. Um, I think a couple things play into whether the ratings affect the show at all. Uh, the first one being that just because the ratings have plateaued right now doesn't mean that they're going to stay at a plateau. Uh, TNA, for example, from 2002 to 2007 or 2008-ish, they plateaued at a really low ratings level. But then 2008, 2009, like right before Hogan and Bischoff came in, they spiked right up. They had, like during the main event mafia era, they had some really good shit going on on TV and their ratings spiked. They were starting to hit a million themselves. So the ratings, uh, those can always go up depending on what they're putting out for a product on television at that given time. So that one's kind of hard to judge based on what we're seeing on TV right now versus what's going to be on TV in the future. The other thing I think plays into is if we end up eventually getting a streaming platform for AEW, just like the WWE network for WWE, because if they end up coming up with their own network, the ratings aren't really going to matter anymore. Just like how for WWE between their YouTube page and the WWE network, the ratings don't mean a whole lot to them anymore. Obviously they want to keep USA and Fox happy, but they have multiple other ways to create revenue from fans and to keep people watching than just cable TV. And most of us are honestly, even if we, if we don't use the network or whatever, a lot of us are streaming the television show online now. I'm a DVR guy. I DVR I all say, of my live yeah. wrestling the next day. I don't, but see, I do a, this is my two cents throwing it in though. I don't like the, the bullshit intros. I think it's stupid that it takes eight guys you know, it takes a guy eight minutes to get through his thing. I just said this the other night. I was at a mud show, um, an indie show rather. And uh, 
It took a guy four minutes to get from the entrance ramp to the ring to where his entire song played. Not the intro, the 30 seconds. The entire full-length radio edit of his song played while he was walking to the ring. And I remember going, does even an indie entrance need to take, you know, four minutes, six minutes, eight minutes? And I feel like that's why I fast-forward through that shit is because I don't want to sit through it. You know what I mean? If I know somebody yeah. can't talk, I'm not going to watch a bullshit promo where I have to listen to Ronda Rousey fumble through words for 45 seconds. Yeah, those long entrances are reserved to only for people like Triple H and The Undertaker. Agreed. Roman. Roman. Roman's, Roman's too. I was there at SummerSlam. Roman's entrance was literally so long, it gave the crew time to set up that tractor. That tractor was not part of the set all night. They literally drove that thing out there mid-Roman's entrance and were able to do a three-point turn with it and take two attempts to back it into where it needed to be before Roman ever hit the ring or his pyro went off. Yeah. The only time I'll make exceptions for entrances going that long is if the theme songs are absolute bangers. And I, I think in in situations like a guy like Triple H, a guy like The Undertaker, even Roman Reigns, because I, I love the new theme song, I, I can do it with those guys. But when you've got... When you've got me listening to Ronda Rousey or Liv Morgan or like Sami Zayn's theme song, not that those aren't bad, but like they're kind of like a little more generic than some of the top guys. You've got me sitting there listening to that theme song for like four or five minutes plus commercial break. I zone out. You know who's got a banger of a theme song? Who's that? The Briscoe Brothers. Disco Inferno. Fucking Disco Inferno, Lee. That's the third time tonight you've brought him up. You got something you want to talk wrestler. about? You got something? That's you, you got something you get off your chest there, bud? You got That's something? Favorite. I'm a huge Disco Inferno fan. That's all. See, I'm a Russo guy, and I get a lot of heat for that. People are like, "How can you like him?" And I was like, "All he did was go to work and did his job. He made you hate him. That's on you." Like, <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, he went to work. He did his job. I don't. I mean, did he do his job well? Maybe not. Not most of the time, but. Like, he was good enough to get hired by the top three companies in his business. So, I mean, he did something right. Or at least the top three companies at the time. So, I'm saying, I was like, the man knew how to get hired. You yeah. know? The man knew how to get a, get a job. Like, oh, gosh. It's- what I'm asking for is, can we just have an episode of Raw where the whole three hours is just listening to Edge's theme song? I could listen to that for days. Dude, Judgment Day's theme song, like, fucks me up. Because I'm still expecting to hear Edge's voice, like, yeah. over the intro. So you think you know me? You yeah, never did. No, you never did, dude. I was like, dude, that's so bad. Like, oh, Edge. But like, Alter Bridge just makes up for it every time. I just, I love that band so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm gonna end it on Alter Bridge, Alex. That was the the breaking point for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like one more, one more banger. It's just unfortunate <laughs> they could never play. Is Our Lady Pieces, uh, whatever. Oh. Chris Benoit's theme. What a tragedy that that song cannot be enjoyed anymore, considering that is like one of the best fucking wrestling themes ever, man. Can we talk about the the subtle Chris Benoit reference that Cody Rhodes made during the Stone Cold podcast recently that he did? They did that little preview before he was on the show where Stone Cold does like the, the 30 seconds and he asks all the questions. And he asked what Cody Rhodes' favorite band was, and he said, Blade, and he said, Our Lady Peace. Our Lady Peace, yeah, man. I'm like, oh my god, they actually allowed that to be aired. Well, yeah, because only like old fuckers like us are going to get the reference. Mm-hmm. I you have, know what I mean? I have Our Lady Peace lyrics tattooed on me. They're not even my favorite band. It was just a great lyric. 
Lee and I have a fun little uh, outstanding inside joke where when I will come over to hang out at his house, like we'll come over to play 2K and he'll be like up at his parents, like just hanging out with them or whatever, because they live like a block away and I'll get to his house before he does. And I'll go inside that light that's above him is a Bluetooth speaker and I'll sit there on link by Spotify to the speaker and I'll just wait like in the stairs around the corner. And the moment Lee walks in, I just start playing Chris Benoit's theme song on him. And I, one time I came around the corner with like a big Thanos glove on him and just scared the hell out of him. <laughs> let's, let's, let's state it here, man. Like I understand canceling Chris Benoit. Let's uncancel his theme music though. Let's yeah. Our lady piece didn't do anything wrong. God damn it. Yeah. Stop, stop punishing yeah, them. Real. Well, Get gentlemen, this is my favorite part of every episode because I don't have to say anything. I'm going to ask you guys to plug your stuff. Tell us, everybody, what you got going on, where to find you, and all of that nonsense. Alex, you're the, the botch bots and chair shots virgin, sir. You get to go first this time. Fair enough. Uh, so what I will say, because I know Lee's going to want to do most of the plugging, is that Perch Gaming has returned. We showed up last night with our Jeopardy game. Unfortunately, due to a chat bot entering the chat, we are suspended for the time being. We are going to appeal that, hopefully be back soon. In the meantime, I do plan on bringing Perch Gaming to YouTube or Facebook. In the meantime, we will be back. Even if it's not on Twitch, we will be bringing Perch Gaming back to a platform near you. Uh, we're going to start probably polling the audience soon to see what kind of games you want me to play. Kyle and I had a talk the other day where we're going to try and branch out and not just stick to wrestling games so we can kind of get some more people coming and checking out our stuff. So I'm going to start polling everybody soon. We're going to start seeing what kind of games you want to see me or Lee play. And Perch Gaming will be coming back to you soon. Lee, would you like to plug the rest of the show for me? Ladies and gentlemen, every Tuesday drops Wednesday on the podcast. You can check the Perched correspondent, Justin Largerto and I, on our very new podcast, Perched, on the top shelf, where we talk anything and everything action figure related. As you see, I'm a big fan of the WWF Hasbros. You can also check us out on Facebook as we reached our 10,000 likes and more. Facebook.com slash Perched on the Top Rope. You can follow us on TikTok where we broke 1,000 followers and now we can go live. Uh, you can see some incredible things like Selena scenes where I take Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On and tie it into the greatest wrestling moments in professional wrestling history. And the last one I had done was WrestleMania 32, Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship. Because if you want to tell me that is not one of the greatest moments of professional wrestling history, you are a liar and I am better than you. And if none of that tickles your fancy, ladies and gentlemen, you can watch former WCW superstar, that's right, former WCW superstar get humped by a dog, Kevin Sullivan. Yes, that is you TikTok. Bastard. That is TikTok perched on the top rope bastard you can follow us on twitter at perch top rope you can follow us on instagram at perched on the top rope podcast you can follow our podcast anywhere and everywhere from apple google spotify stitcher podbean podbay red circle you name it we are there it's perched on the top rope and because you listen so much we want to thank all the fans that have gotten us on their chartables in their countries thank you and thank you for tuning in every week on Fridays, our episodes of Perched on the Top Rope drop for the podcast. You can check all the YouTube videos, great interviews from Larry Sabisco, Booker T, Rest in Peace, Road Warrior Animal, uh, Gilberg, guys in MLW from Kelvin Tankman, uh, Jordan Oliver, 
guys in Impact Wrestling, the Iconics from WWE. Holy crap, there's a ton of stuff there. It is YouTube.com slash Perched on the Top Rope. As Alex said, he'll be going live from Facebook or YouTube uh, with the Perch Gaming, so make sure you check that out. That is usually on Sundays. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a saying. If you don't know it, it's fine because I'm not regularly on this show. Spoiler-free is the way to be. Kyle, thank you for having us on tonight. Kai Tai. Oh, it will. Will deserves the thanks. Tonight's his show. Yeah, Will, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, man, thank you. This was fun. I really like coming on to on to, to botch spots, man. Uh, it's dope. I, I have a show. I like like all of us do. It's me and RN. We really just shoot the shit like uh, like two delinquents on Sundays on the rewind. Um, we're doing top tens though. Trying to mix it up a little bit, give give some some individual segments. Uh, this week, if you want to catch it, is uh, during our show. We're going to cover top ten wrestlers that we believe will not um, uh, uh, flourish under the Triple H uh, regime. Um, other than that, yeah, man, gaming right here, twitch.tv slash smackraw, youtube.com slash smackraw podcast, where you can find all of our shows if you don't catch them live. And then uh, I'm on Twitter at smackrawpod and at the Kai Tai Show. Uh, dude, like this, this is awesome. I appreciate, appreciate you guys. Uh, upcoming show, I'm going to convince these guys sometime in the next week, follow us on Twitter, bringing 20 second challenge back. I will have my revenge on Alex for stacking the deck against Smacked Raw on his Jeopardy show. It's going to be hilarious. I promise you, if you tune in, we will find a way to humiliate Alex on the show. So tune in, 20-second challenge. Check out our Twitter to find an update exactly what day and time that we throw this all together. Brother, you can't humiliate me more than I can humiliate myself. Oh, oh that's oh, that's kind of how it's gonna be done though you know okay okay <laughs> also you, remember Alex. to follow rn at mr 8984 over on twitter make sure you to follow the boss bitch miss allison at just a girl 918 for all the important stuff smack raw podcast network remember to follow the indie wrestling gazette at indie gazette if you have any interest whatsoever in indie wrestling that is the spot to find it uh, it's a new newsletter and periodical we're putting out from the team at BotchBots and ShareShot solely focused on the independent wrestling scene. But, here I go. Now as we close another episode of BotchBots and ShareShots, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet. Facebook, Instagram, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google. Literally, you have all the options. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible I sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and it helps find new listeners. If you're feeling really generous and be one of the VIP people, head over to the Smack Draw Podcast Network on Patreon and donate to the Smack Draw cause. You get some fantastic swag, we get some free guests. It's a win-win for Lee Walker, for Alex, and for Mr. Kyle Tyson, I'm the Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, Watch my people. And share and people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we're getting here on Botch Spots and Chair Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day in Botch Spots and Chair Shots. Check. Savage!